It's the Misdeeds and Intrigue podcast, featuring stories of royals, scandals, and true crime. Here are your hosts, Carrie and Larissa. Good morning, good day, and welcome to Misdeeds and Intrigue. I'm your host, Larissa. And I am your host, Carrie. And I would just like to mention (laughs) that if there's a pandemic or a bomb cyclone, buy cat food because you don't want your cat to eat you. Hi, welcome to CNN Headline News. I'm Anna Hovind. The lead singer of the rock band Alice in Chains has been found dead in his Seattle home. The partially decomposed body of 34-year-old Lane Staley was discovered Friday night. Medical examiners identified it during an autopsy Saturday. Authorities have not yet released the cause of death. Seattle police say there were no signs of foul play and there was nothing suspicious. Alice in Chains was one of the most successful bands of the grunge rock era in the early 1990s. Because Lane Staley, the rocker, I believe, was found three weeks after he overdosed. It was some rocker who was found in his apartment three weeks after he had overdosed and his cats had started to eat him. So buy that cat food. I had never heard of this. And the whole reason why this had even come up is that we were chatting before the show and I was saying how people go crazy. I'm in the Washington, D.C. area and people go crazy and they don't just buy toilet paper, but for some reason they buy out all the cat food. (laughs) Well, and now it makes sense. Now I get it. I get it. I don't think a dog would ever eat its owner, but cats. I mean, Mm, I think a dog would. Really? Certain breeds, yeah. But maybe cat food tastes the most similar to human food. Maybe that's why people buy it when True. they're afraid of running out of food. True, like the tuna and all that. Yeah, they have the new, new gravies. I have never seen in one apocalypse movie anyone, you know, Walking Dead, anyone go for the cat food. Never. No. No, and I just, do you remember the old, I know it used to run in New York in the 80s or early 90s. The woman who's walking down the street and she's, it was for retirement or social security. And she goes in her house and she opens up the cupboard and it's all dog food. And no. it, was, it was about, yeah, it was about like poverty or like, I'm not laughing at the lady. Oh no. But I remember at that age being so scared. Like what if my grandma or myself end up eating dog food at the oh. end of life? By the way, dog food's expensive. It is very expensive. I think you could do better and cheaper by getting rice and beans. Yeah, that's probably true. Yeah. Okay. That's that's our lesson for the day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're that's done. Thank you for joining us. Okay. Yeah, that's the PSA for today. Great. Right, so we're going to do kind of a shorter episode today. Uh, we both have a lot going on. You are basically planning the Oscars. Oh, I am for sure. It, feels, <laughs> it fucking feels like it. No. Um, Yeah. And I'm over here saving the world one transaction at a time for the government working for the man. So yes, go get that dough from Uncle Sam. Yeah, it's so glamorous. It is though. You mean a lot to us. Thank you for your service, by the way. Oh, thank you. So I always like to try to pick sometimes story topics where sometimes I don't even realize you have a connection to them, but Mm. it's always like surprise, like it's a little present. I did want to ask you, have you started watching the Playboy documentary on A&E? Uh, no, I actually was going to start last night, but I'm saving it for tonight. Cause last night I've been training for that marathon. What? Yeah. I'm training Doing for a marathon? marathon. Yeah. In the desert. Don't make me look bad. 
Good uh, God. You lost 20 pounds. I did not. I only lost like eight or 10. Oh, oh God. Oh God. Okay. Marathon. Okay. Anyway, yes. you're going to watch it. Getting back to the Playboy uh, documentary. I am very excited because I've been reading a lot of articles on it. And even his ex-wife came out yesterday saying that she endorses what Holly Madison said about him having revenge porn. So tonight I already, yeah. So tonight I am very ready for it. See, I, I'm, I'm go. I'm waiting my way through the first episode. Cause you know, I worked with playboy a lot at E and I'm getting ready for the second episode, but the first episode is almost like a love letter to him, except there's one woman, Jennifer Saginaw, who I had no idea that her dad raised her at the Playboy Mansion. So her father was the doctor for Hugh and he got custody of his daughter. And she had a bedroom in the Playboy Mansion since she was like single digits, like young, like six or seven. What kind of father would raise their child in the Playboy Mansion? As a six-year-old, I was roaming around the Playboy Mansion. Everything was just a roller coaster ride. Hardcore drugs, orgies, what I went through has left an imprint on me for the rest of my life. So my father was an internist and diagnostician. People would call him Doc, you're Dr. Feelgood. He was Hefner's doctor and very good friend, starting from the early 70s all the way, you know, until half past. So as a child, I was more drawn to living with my father, of course, because he was living in the Playboy Mansion. Stepping into the Playboy Mansion at a young age, it was like a magical kingdom. Candy bowls everywhere, butlers, drivers, beautiful people. At age six, I would walk into these scenarios where people were in the grotto involved in group sex. And I would open up another door and I would see people doing cocaine, boilude shots of heroin, Demerol. I mean, it was just sort of a, a normal thing to do. And starting around 10, my father created a drawer for me in the bathroom that was filled with various prescription medications, Vicodans, Percocets, Xanax for anxiety, and Halcyon for sleep. By 11, I was very addicted to these prescription medications. At the Playboy Mansion, it was a cult-like mentality. The loyalty was always supposed to be to the men, not to the women. I was told they're more like the help. So when I would question my father about some of these older men kissing these really young girls and have French kissing me, he would remind me of the culture of thinking up there. I thought it was weird as a child. I just knew like most men didn't kiss like that. By the time I was 14, I became very close to Hugh Hefner's girlfriend. She was in her early 20s. I remember starting off in the game room, playing Pac-Man, and then we ordered strawberry daiquiris, and that led into my first sexual encounter with a woman. So as I started this secret love affair, I started to amp up the amount of cocaine I was doing, the amount of sleeping pills I was taking at night, the amount of Xanax, and by age 16, I was doing so much blow that I had to have a nose job just so that I could, you know, try to breathe clearly again. So I was 17 and my father and half were really desperate to end my affair and they ended up orchestrating an orgy and then my father ended up having sex with her and I walked in on them. It just felt like such a betrayal. I was so devastated, got in my car, ended up getting in a horrible car accident and waking up in a hospital with flowers by my bed and a note from my father. I told you she was a whore.
and it's not even so much about the women because I think at that time period, women were very much about looks and commodity in the business. I was thinking a lot of them, you were very sexualized. It was very much about who you knew to get up in the business, the casting couch took it. I'm actually, it's more about the men that objectified them when they would come to the mansion, like Bill Cosby was hanging out there and some mm-hmm. of these other people in the business that people would probably be very surprised that would, would objectify it. Besides the fact I would not want my daughter thinking that she had to be one of 10 he women. Had playmates. Of he had playmates babysit her. And then um, when she was like 14 or 15, he got her surgery. I mean, this guy is fucked up. In my opinion, that's like a bad parenting. Oh, yeah. I mean, he needs to take responsibility for that. Just like, why not rent a little apartment that you can go back home to with your daughter? Yeah. Go on nights. You don't have her go to the Playboy Mansion, whatever, do your thing, play backgammon with Hef, but then come back home to a normal home life. Like she was literally down the hall from Hef's room where they were having sex or other girl playmate rooms where they were doing things. Yeah. And this is on the documentary. This is on the documentary. What is your thoughts about the whole? Th- when I was around the Playboy Mansion, it was a much different, different mansion than what the 70s and 80s mansion was. But I will say... You know, Hef, when he started started it, he wanted the magazine and the Playboy Club. That's what he wanted. And then it turned into something much different. But he was very charismatic and smart and handsome. Like, it wasn't some greasy dude looking to just look at titties all day. He knew the, the Playboy articles used to be very... We would probably use those articles in this day and age. They were very well written. I don't know. I have mixed emotions because in the seventies and eighties, it was more like the mansion was more like everyone wanted to be there for a reason. It was more of a hangout place. Like they would have these big barbecues and Sunday fun days. And it was different. It was free love. It was different. Pep pretended he wasn't involved in any hard drug use at the mansion, but that was just a lie. Coilids down the line were used for sex. Everything felt good to touch. Everything felt soft and soft focus. And and it was lovely. Usually you just took a half. Now, if you took two, you'd pass out. It was such a seduction. And the men knew this, that they could get girls to do just about anything they wanted if they gave them a quaalude. Before I met half, I had never done a drug in my life. And I was just a young, naive girl that didn't know the ways of the world. I worked for Hefner at the Playboy Mansion in LA from late 1977 to mid-1989 as Hef's secretary and then eventually executive assistant. Quaaludes were, we called them the leg spreaders, you know? I mean, and I don't know that I want to get that crude, but that is what the whole point of them was, you know? Uh, In the late 90s and 2000s, they kind of tempered it back. And it wasn't like everyone said, oh, you go to a Playboy party and it's just a big orgy. It wasn't. I mean, there were not people banging in the, they may have got, done it behind closed doors, but you, it wasn't just like a big old naked man fest. True, there were a lot of men there. But if I did find it interesting that when I would go to these parties, you had to be invited, A, and you couldn't get in just because you were press. You had to be invited. 
So my friend was Tiffany Granith at the time, which we'll have her on and Scott Barton, which we are going to have him on next week, by the way. <laughs> and you had to submit a headshot and like a or portfolio to get into the party. They had to approve you to get into the party, <laughs> which I found very interesting because Bill Maher got into every party and I'm oh, sure oh. he didn't submit a headshot, which was, ugh, <laughs> I don't know. It's very different. We'll talk to Scott about it. It was a very different time. I can't wait. I do have to say, because I think what's happening now is a lot more stories that are coming out and the TV show and all that. But prior to that, when I look back on the magazines that my sister inherited, which are like on her coffee table, it's very, very... And my grandmother was very Catholic, raised in a convent, so I have no idea where these playboys came from. But they they were very artsy and... yeah. They were well done. Yeah, they were not like demeaning to women. You weren't having them like bend over and, you know, it, it was not it was hustler. more artsy. Yeah, it was more artsy. And by the way, it was a big deal to get in Playboy. All the playmates I was around, that is what they wanted to do. They didn't stumble into it like porn or anything like like that is what they wanted to do. And the girls who became his girl, his main girlfriends, they wanted to be his girlfriend. That was their goal to come to Hollywood, be in Playboy and be a half girl. Like, can you have boyfriends at all? No. You're not allowed Half to have boyfriends. How so. do you know when you're called to the master bedroom? Do you have nights? Yeah. 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 The sex always happened kind of like the same time, the same night. We would go out to a club every Wednesday and Friday, and that would be expected when we got home. I think it's different than, you know, the Jeffrey Epsteins and all, you know, everyone's like, oh, he's just another Jeffrey Epstein. He wasn't, though, because you knew what you were getting when you... A, went to the mansion, and B, when you tried out to be in Playboy, you knew you were going to have to get naked. Yeah. And then when you, by the way, when you became a boyfriend, or a, boy. a half boyfriend, <laughs> a girlfriend of half, but it's what's in the name. You're a girlfriend of half. It was, I mean, I don't know, because I've never been a half girlfriend, <laughs> but I've heard from the girlfriends and yeah, you're in a relationship with Hugh Hefner. So yeah, no, thanks. I'll pass. I'm curious to see what the second hour is like. I'm looking forward to it. But speaking of girls and all that, our favorite and Jody's, you know, Jody has a crush on him, right? On who? Elliot Spitzer. Oh, good. (laughs) She thinks he's sexy. He showed up with this baseball cap on and clearly trying not to be recognized. And I'm like, you know, don't tell me it's that guy again. In that second meeting, you know, I was rather pushy with him. I was like, we're going to sit and have a chit chat and have a nice little date here. And it ended up being a fun couple of hours. I thought it was Elliot Spitzer, you know, but I couldn't be absolutely sure. So I made a point to look out for him in the papers. And it was at that point that I said to the people who ran the agency, you know who this guy is, don't you? And they said no. He was hiding. He didn't want anyone to know who he was. He was extremely paranoid. He knew that his entire political career was on the line. And ultimately, Vice just took over virtue. He could not control himself. I don't know. I just remember one time he was trying to book an appointment. And I just remember thinking to myself, I was like, this man is so paranoid. He's just going to attract a situation. You know, because he was just asking for it. It's like, listen, man, if you are so worried about what you're doing, don't do it. 
I mean, just getting a deposit from him was an issue. In order to book an appointment out of town, you had to pay up front. So he would have to go through sending these money orders in. And we're like, okay, why don't you just deposit X amount in the bank if you want to meet her by tomorrow and we're not going to receive payment by tomorrow. And he's like, I can't go to the bank. I never acknowledged who he was, but he, he knew that I knew. He started to request me. I saw him outside of New York in Palm Beach, Puerto Rico, Dallas, Washington. He was always very guarded about what he would say. And I mean, I would insist on having a conversation before we started. I'm like, I'm totally taking advantage of this because he's so smart and interesting. I would like have my little rants about what was wrong with New York City that needed to be fixed. And he, he listened. It's that little turn up back in the news. Yeah. So I was reading, I was very surprised at this story. So the headlines were former New York governor, Elliot Spitzer used alias George Fox at the hospital when he checked in <laughs> on George Fox. Yeah. In on 25 year old Russian prostitute lover. I'm taking this from the headlines. I know we're supposed to say sex worker now. He was accused of choking in a thousand a night plaza hotel room in 2016. I did oh not God. realize he was still up to it in 2016. Uh, yes, Mr. Fox, Mr. George <laughs> Fox. I'm here to see Lana Sotofaria. <laughs> well, yeah. And he wore all black, a hat, and identifies himself as George. And then I was reading up on it that she basically was threatening to expose him for every was trying to get money. So he choked her. Is is the reason she was in the hospital because he choked her? Yes. He choked her that bad that she had to be put in the hospital? I guess. I don't. I, oh I, I The way that they explain in the story is that she threatened him pretty early on to expose him. Like, I think he thought it was like a setup. They didn't say that in the article, but let me bring it up because then I can explain. This isn't the one who he put in a suitcase to sneak up to his apartment, is it? That was like, no, no. I want to meet one. that yeah. girl because you've She's got like to be- She's like married now with like a baby and everything. You have to be a contortionist to fit. I mean, I hope it wasn't a carry-on because that would mean she was very tiny, but- Okay, so he met her for a drink at the Plaza Hotel on the afternoon of February 13, 2016. She told Spitzer that she was flying back to Russia the following day where she would live permanently. He left the hotel an hour later but called her 30 times over the next three hours. With the sergeant that was doing the investigating a month later said that the former governor was threatening her and attempting to prevent her from returning to Russia. So at 7 p.m., Spitzer returned to her room where he grabbed her by the wrist and threw her back on the bed while standing over her. The perpetrator placed his hand onto her neck, throat, and put pressure, causing her not to be able to breathe for at least three seconds. In an effort to scare Spitzer, she took a wine glass, broke it, and lightly cut herself on the wrist, she told police officers. Uh, what? Yeah, exactly. So shortly after- So she 18- took the fall for him? No, she was like trying to be like dramatic and be like, oh, I'm going to cut myself, threatening him. Oh. She broke the wine glass to break, to cut her wrist like lightly, it said in the report. So at, after 8 p.m., a call to 911 was placed and she was taken to the undisclosed hospital. Spitzer told detectives who saw blood on the door and while the room, she's on her period. I just came to help. Thanks for coming. She's fine now. We don't need you anymore. He goes, do I need to call Bill? Reportedly a reference to then police commissioner Bill Bratton. Oh, boy. Yeah. So at 11 p.m., he entered the hospital wearing all black, identified himself as George Fox. 
a, the name of a friend who he later apologized to, which I was thinking George Fox was like Mr. and Mrs. Fox. Yeah. I, Wouldn't you be mad if one of your friends used like your husband's name in this scenario? I would be so pissed. I thought that was just a tacky name, like Charlie Hustle or something. Yeah, like, me too. He visited again two hours later, again, using the same fake name. And a text message between the pair has also been revealed in the documents showing the tensions between them raised high. She said that she was at a police station, was ready to disclose the relationship. I make sure your daughters and everyone you are dealing with know who you are. He goes, can we discuss this like we have in the past? He wrote, and it's going to be much worse than 2008. Ah, ha, ha, ha. Let's discuss how you will kill my mother and my dog. And he goes, why are you doing this? Let's talk. We had things worked out so nicely. You can buy any lawyer and fucking thing. I'm not your friend anymore. You messed up every little thing. You just want me to die. It would be better if I died in California. Yes. You wouldn't have to deal with this now. She responded. Oh, she was like... Wait, she was a prostitute or a girlfriend? No, it sounds like a prostitute. He goes, have no idea what you mean. I've been taking good care of you and I'm going to continue. Why disturb this? He, he asked her. I guess he's been seeing the Russian national for years, according to the Post. Mm. He's requesting a dismissal of a lawsuit filed by her who's accused him of choking her during a sex session in 2016. Now, he's divorced from his wife, Silda, right? Yes. Thank God. Oh, boy. Just over a year ago, Silda Wall Spitzer stood by her husband's side when he was sworn in as New York's governor, and again Monday when he dropped a political bombshell. I have acted in a way that violates my obligations to my family and that violates my or any sense of right and wrong. Those who know the couple say they're shocked and stunned that New York Governor Elliot Spitzer has been caught up in a prostitution scandal. They appeared to be a picture-perfect couple, smiling for cameras during this recent ski trip. Clearly, it's a humiliating situation for her by association and also, you know, in, in terms of being married to a man who, you know, is, is very openly thumbing nose at the marriage. The Spitzers met while attending Harvard Law School and have since been married for more than two decades. While her husband had political goals, Silda Spitzer began her legal career by specializing in mergers, acquisitions, and corporate finance, and later joined the Chase Manhattan Bank as a member of its international legal group. As First Lady, she shifted her focus to children and nonprofits. She is the founding chair of Children for Children and is involved in an annual New York book drive that builds classroom libraries and schools. But right now, the Spitzers are focusing on their own children, three teenage daughters. But I have disappointed and failed to live up to the standard I expected of myself. I must now dedicate some time to regain the trust of my family. Immediately after making the statement, Spitzer retreated from public view. He kind of gives me Hunter Biden vibes. We need to have Jody dig him up. And find out what he's up to now. She loves her some Elliot too. She would do that for us, wouldn't she? A good friend would. She's probably she probably already knows. Jody, if you're listening to us, you need to dig up Elliot Spitzer and find out what he's up to. <laughs> the elsewhere in the news talking about violence against a wife or girlfriend, which is not funny. But no. I thought this one was interesting because you know we love rich people stories and mm-hmm. all that and or socialites and the upper echelons i thought this was really interesting because it seems like you can't set up any kind of murders anymore while you're on honeymoons or vacations with your wives because we see it where oh they drowned accidentally or scuba diving or zip lining there's always some yes. strange accident a pennsylvania dentist is charged with murdering his wife 
again on a 2016, a lot of things are coming back from the, that year. What? African hunting safari, then claiming 4.8 million in life insurance payouts after telling the Zambian police she accidentally shot herself. What? Where did she accidentally shoot herself? In the chest or the head? Look, what, well, uh... they were on a hunting trip in October, and he said that she accidentally shot herself in the chest with a 12-gauge shotgun while packing for the day. Okay. Okay, mister. You can't accidentally shoot yourself in the chest with a shotgun. No. That takes some... <laughs> I know. And then I'm like wondering, I'm like, is she on this trip? Did your husband ever make you go on a trip where you're, all right, I'll go. You got to get some white men some credit. That's one thing about white men. White men don't get no divorce. They kill their bitches. <laughs> Sir, white man, oh, you trying to take half my shit? Bitch, we going fishing. Get your ass in the boat. Say bye to the kids, but get your ass in the boat. Where we going, Jimmy? Don't worry, bitch. Just row that way. Look over there. What's over there? Yeah, my husband knows way, t- he knows better than to kill me because I watch way too much true crime and he constantly makes fun of all the Dateline I watch. He thinks you're practicing. Yeah, you're yes, probably practicing like- <laughs> <laughs> <None> of this. <laughs> mark, mark the perfect murder off the list of anything revolving around hunting because this guy apparently, besides getting her insurance policy, I guess friends later told the FBI that he'd been having years long affairs. And so he cashed out the seven life insurance policies what? and his, seven? yes, yes. Which I don't know why you can even have that many. And that his girlfriend later revealed to a staff at his dental practice. She had given him an ultimatum to leave Bianca before her death. See, I don't know whether to feel offended that my husband has no life insurance policy on me <laughs> or happy. It's kind of a mixed emotion day for me. I know because you're like, aren't I worth something? Don't I bring something to the table? <laughs> yeah. And then you're like, oh, good. Well, at least it won't kill me for money because there's nothing to be gained. So ladies out there, don't go on the fishing or hunting trip unless you really are actually into it. Be a little skeptical. <laughs> Yeah, I want, you know what I want to do a bigger deep dive into is that guy who was killed on vacation in Cancun. This is just recently. It was a people, it was in People magazine. It's been all over the place. They found his body in this tiny little bathroom window. It was supposed to be a dream vacation, a celebration of 10 years of marriage. But just hours after their arrival at this luxury Cancun resort, disaster struck. We feel something's up. We want answers. We absolutely just want to know what happened. 35-year-old Texas firefighter Elijah Snow was found dead. His body discovered wedged inside this tiny window. Police here in Mexico say it was an accident and there were no signs of violence at the scene. Snow's family disagrees, suspecting foul play and a cover-up. Here's the fateful timeline. 12 p.m. July 18th. Elijah Snow and his wife, Jamie, check in at the $400 a night Royalton Chic Suites. Then they did what most tourists do. They hit the pool and began ordering margaritas. Sunset Falls. They have dinner at the resort's Asian-themed restaurant. 9.30 p.m., they go to the bar for more drinks. Jamie returns to their room, but Elijah stays at the bar for a nightcap. 4 a.m., Jamie wakes up, but where is Elijah? He's missing. She notifies the resort. A search is launched of the grounds. 7 a.m., a stunning discovery. Elijah Snow's body is found stuck in this small window at the hotel next door. 
the Sunset Royal. We have to look more into that because I want to know, the police said, oh, he was trying to get out of the bathroom, but yet his body was facing the other direction. It's interesting. I don't don't know the whole story. The wife is saying, no, she thinks that he got maybe accosted by police. I agree. I think there's something more on that too. And after what we saw went down in Aruba and I think Portugal with Madeline McCann, yeah. McCann yeah. I always say it wrong. I do feel like the police departments are very protective of their tourism. Yeah. I really want to go back and review that case where the guy, the producer from LA took his wife down there at the moon palace and now he's in jail there. I'm curious to see what has become they had like two kids yes. yeah they had two kids and there's another murder not murder i think jennifer aniston was a group of friends down there and one of the assistants yes. died yeah oh, was it at a party or no i think so there's a lot goes down in mexico too yes 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 and let's go ahead and wrap up our show with the another these poor women on this on the show today we have a running theme oh, no. here murder I, yeah, an LA film. I was very curious about your opinion on this one. LA film producer and party promoter 39 arrested over drug deaths of a model and her designer friend. He wants to lower his $3.4 million bail because he's also fighting separate rape charges. So he's accused of sexually assaulting four women between 2010 and 2020. So did you hear this case with David Pierce? Yeah, I also heard that his friend Ansbach, uh, I forgot what his first name is, but I worked with him on something. I was about yeah, to say, do you the know older that? One. Not the older one. Not the young one. The young one's way too young and way too douchey, but the older one is a videographer and has had his own company. And he was, I remember seeing him and I don't know if it was at work or if it was at a party, but either way, I've seen this guy. i I know I've worked with him or I've been at some different events, but the other guy, what a douchey little douchey McDoucherstein. Good God. And both women, he took, this is what I find appalling. You can't just dial 911. You take the time to drive both women who I assume OD'd at the same time, right? The same night, the same time. Oh yeah, they were, they were friends. You take what, an hour to drive them to two separate hospitals? What a fucking dick. Yeah. So one, this happened in November of 2021. One of them, I think was married. And according to their loved ones, they think that they were partying like against their will kind of. And uh, one was left, her body was left outside one hospital and the other one was found outside another where she died after two weeks in a coma. But they actually drove up to his house, right? Yeah. Yep. From a nightclub. I don't know if that is partying against their will, or maybe they just thought they were going to go do a little recreational drinking and then ended up in a shitload of trouble because he probably spiked, you know, probably did something Mm -hmm. to spike whatever they had. And that's happened to me before, right? I've had my drink spiked. Yeah. So, I mean, that is scary that they probably just wanted to go have a nightcap or maybe an after party because that was, that's always been the thing in LA after party, after party, after party, because things shut down so early. Do you remember the case of the young mother? She had three kids and she was like head obstetrician or gynecologist in, I think it was Connecticut or New York city. And she was with another producer guy. I think he was a producer for like HBO or something. They were out partying and she OD'd, I think on cocaine and they tried to move the body outside like they put because they panicked because they were all like uh-huh. high 
and they put her in like the walkway. They see her like on CCTV where her body's found the apartments upstairs. And they put her down like at the base by the sidewalk and her panties were like in her purse. Which if I'm her husband, for the rest of my life, I'm going to wonder, yeah. was something more untoward happening? I mean, this is what's got to be hard for this. Um, I think the last name is Giles or Giles' husband. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. Would, would you be really put off that your wife is out partying without you and then at an after party? I mean, what? I don't know. I can't even imagine that. Yeah, let's go rage and then let's go to the after party and stay out all night. I can't even... Well, it's the same thing with that doctor. She was in her thirties with three little kids. Like what you tell them, probably like a one-off with the girlfriends and you don't want her entire life to be defined by that or have her kids think that. I totally found like, I'm sound like I'm victim shaming. That's not what I'm doing. I'm just like trying to find out why she would go off with this guy to like a, a foreign location. You know what I mean? You're not in the club anymore. You're not in a public area, you're going to someone's private home. I didn't take it that way. I mean, maybe she was going with the friend, like, oh, I'll be your wingwoman. Uh, Nothing will happen because we're a pair. Mm -hmm. And that I've been in situations like that. Like, okay, maybe it'll be safer if I go with you. And and then the husband having to try and defend her memory now and try and reach the bottom of what actually happened. And he wants his bail reduced. Yeah. So obviously this must have been going on for a while with these people. And I'm always very shocked when you hear where there's these multiple cases and they're very aged. Why isn't there action usually sooner? And I get that they're very backed up on rape cases. Like there's a lot of DNA that will never be tested because they have such a backlog of DNA that needs to be tested in a lot of these states. I just think it's really sad when you see old cases like this that why wasn't he arrested sooner? Well, a lot of a lot of people, a lot of women are afraid of the repercussions. B, they chalk it up to a bad night. Uh, probably shouldn't have done that, which is really sad. And, you know, now that he's in trouble, it's easier to come forward and say, because he's not a threat to them. God knows what he threatened women with. If if he If he raped them and they came back and said, you know, hey, it's not okay what you did to me. Oh, well, you'll never work. I have this on camera, especially with ring cameras. And now, but yeah, psychopaths that have them in their house that you don't know about. No, that's true. So I I think there were a lot of reasons why women probably didn't come forward. Plus if he really had the keys to the LA social scene and he was a promoter, I mean, there's a lot of young women out there who just, they want to be invited to that next party. They want to be, you know, a name in that social scene. So you don't want to make waves. I mean, it's, I'm old, let's face it, but it was that way back then. And I'm sure it's 10 times more competitive now because of social media, because now you show people what cool party you were at or what, you know, club you went to it's on Instagram immediately. And that's how you build your social status. So, yeah. Don't name names or anything like that. But when you were back in the day, when you were out there partying at Little Larissa, you know, hitting the clubs and the parties and all that, I've seen pictures. <laughs> oh, God. Do you think some of this might have been going on then? Not all the time, but maybe small percentage. Do you think that this was even going on? Back oh, yeah. Then? I almost died one night. Yeah, it was definitely going on. But there was this really cool guy named George Fox. no no it was definitely going on then you just didn't have as much um proof yeah like like, I can see that yeah for some reason I would think it would 
be less these days because there is so much proof. You know, there's cameras everywhere. So why would you even try something like this? And by the way, if he's dropping off a body at the hospital, there's got to be footage of that. Every hospital has cameras. So yeah, this went, this has been going on for decades. Hey, 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 thanks for joining us. Real quick promise, please find us and follow us at Mistreat Pod on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We have curated content on Pinterest and Flipboard. Check out our channels on TikTok and YouTube. And if you would be so kind, like that famous prince we all know, please show us some love and rate and review us. Positive vibes only, right? Can we talk about your Aiden story? About how there was a picture of you in the gossip mags with Aiden from Sex in the City? (laughs) You know what's also sad? There was another picture with Chris Knopf years ago. (gasps) (laughs) Wait, you got to say about how you, your picture got taken and you got mistaken. Yes. So what's his name? His name is, um, uh, no, um, does it matter? He will always be Aiden. Aiden from Sex and the City. So I was in Vegas and I was friends with Maloofs and we were constantly shooting there at the Palms and I was up in the Sky Lounge or whatever it was called. I forgot. Ghost Bar, I think. And I was up there and we were all, you know, having cocktails together and it was fun. And some photographer came up from a Vegas magazine and said, hey, let's get a picture of you guys. And so I just stood by him and he put his arm around me and we we're sitting there arm in arm but his girlfriend was Farrah Fawcett at the time no it was Bo Derek, Bo Derek. Still Bo together. Derek right. they no, just no, no. got married yeah I know I understand why you would get them get them no confused. Bo Derek so I didn't know that it's not like we were literally I just met the guy for two seconds and someone turned to camera and said hey let's get a picture and we're like oh yeah hey you look hey. hot I want to use it as our cover art for this episode can you please send me the picture again stop no no, that's so offensive to Miss Derek. They're married now. They're married that's now. That's so offensive to Bo. I'm like, I didn't even know that till <laughs> way later. I'm like, oh, I must look like some harlot trying to take her man. Chill, darling. Still too early to go to Tiffany's. I guess the next best thing is a drink. <laughs> I will never be the woman with the perfect hair who can wear white and not spill on it. All right, Mr. DeMille, I'm ready for my close-up. Let's play a game, all right? On the count of three, name your favorite dinosaur. Don't even think about it, just name it. Ready? One, two, three. Hey, it's me again, and you thought you probably had enough of my voice by now. Just a quick reminder to find us and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Miss Intrigue Pod. Follow us on Pinterest and Flipboard, where we collect featured stories from across the internet of royalty, chronicles of interesting events in history, and of course, true crime. Lastly, check out our YouTube channel because everyone has one, right? That features playlists of documentaries and other related segments from our podcast topics. And if you want to hit us up, check out MissDeedsAndIntriguePodcast.com. But we don't have a complaints department, just to give you a little heads up.
podcaster or authors assumes no responsibility or liability for any errors or omissions in the content of this podcast. The information contained on this podcast is an as-is basis with no guarantees of completeness, accuracy, usefulness, or timeliness. A reasonable amount of effort was made to deliver precise data. All views expressed by the podcast hosts or guest co-hosts are their own and do not necessarily represent the opinions of any entity whatsoever with which carry misdeeds or intrigue podcast or larissa have been am now or will be affiliated the content of this podcast is for personal informational and entertainment purposes only and is not to be viewed for commercial use misdeeds and intrigue podcast respects the intellectual property of others any audio clips that were not generated by the podcast host or producer was pulled from the public domain free use sites and or from youtube or other authorized sites to gather information the utmost effort was made to credit the author and or production. If at any time you feel that copyright was infringed, please email Carrie at misdeedsandintriguepodcast.com and immediate action will be taken to remove the audio clips that were present for entertainment purposes only.